Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast in my home is my friend Thomas McConkie. Welcome to the podcast, Thomas. Good to be back. (laughs) We had Thomas on episode 157, July of 2019, um, and we're having him back to talk about um, a course that he's developed in collaboration with Faith Matters. Lower Lights is Thomas. um, He's the founder of Lower Lights. We'll talk more about that. But this is a podcast to primarily talk about this course. We're going to talk about who the course is for, what the context's like, and what your personal relationship to it. And I just love the work that Thomas is doing, that Faith Matters is doing, um, and just want to do everything I can with our platform here to bring more of you, our listeners, connected with Thomas and his work. Uh, on a personal note, when I went through what I call a mini faith crisis as a YSA bishop, it was Thomas's book and and planted by Patrick Mason that were two books that helped me navigate some of the things that I was processing. Um, his book is called Navigating a Mormon Faith Crisis. It was published in 2015. Just a great book for me um, personally to help me continue to be a believing member of the church, but just have better tools to navigate the complicated things I was exposed to. So thank you for that, Thomas. Um, as our listeners know, I wrote a book called Listen, Learn, and Love, Embracing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And I have a one quote from Thomas that came up in episode 157 that I put in the book. It's in chapter 11 on page 287. And I, when I talk about the future, and I, I, I'll just read this here. Thomas McConkie, an active Latter-day Saint, framed the need to do better, referencing what I had referenced Elder Ballard's um, charge um, with this quote, I feel the LGBTQ issue tension challenges the f- defining challenge in our church right now. I don't mean to say that authoritative, but more impressionistically. I can't think of a more profound turning point in our history or an opportunity to really come together and practice Christian love. My heart aches for what is going on right now. So that was buried in a podcast, Thomas. I don't know if you remember those words, but they made it into my book. And I thought you framed up that in a really wonderful, thoughtful way. Um, Just from a personal perspective, update us on your life. Oh, yeah. Lots of updates. Well, like all of the rest of the world, we've just been weathering the pandemic and finding meaning, hold up in our homes, trying to stay healthy. So that's been, you know. Uh, well, hey, it's 2020, and uh, you know, who knew that was coming? So it's been intense. And have you had COVID? Not had COVID? Our whole household got COVID inexplicably. You know, my wife uh, was pregnant at the onset of the pandemic. Uh, we were so worried about her, you know, getting sick. We didn't know what it would do to the unborn baby. Uh, the baby was born healthy. He's almost six months now. Uh, June, little June McConkie, and. Uh, you know, we all got sick after about four months after he was born. We just kind of got COVID and June like made quick work of it. He got like a fever, his first fever ever. We didn't so know it was COVID yet. did you yet. test him? Uh, we just test, knew. We tested me. I tested positive and the whole household was sick. And they said, you could just assume. You That's should assume really that scary. Yeah, it was crazy. But June, like he had a fever, not too high. Next day, a little cough. That was about it. He just like went through it fast and Glow and I were down. It was a tough illness. Really? Tough. Yeah. And my dad was hospitalized. Wow. I didn't know that. It, it actually precipitated the death of my granddad McConkie. He was yes. quite ill 
and COVID was what shut him down. So, so that's your grandfather that grandfather. died just a month ago. A month ago. Um, so 85 or 95? 95. 95, I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It I was did. so sobering. Within like a couple weeks, we saw COVID tear through four generations of McConkies. Wow, that's true. It was crazy. So it's been an eventful year. Uh, we're grateful to be in good health and have a little one with us. And uh, yeah, feeling pretty good. In fact, we talked about doing this podcast a while ago, and you wanted to do it via Zoom because oh, yeah. you were wanting to be very careful. Oh, I hadn't seen another person in person <laughs> since, you know, early it's March. It's crazy you got it with all the precautions. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it's more prevalent than it used to be in Utah. It's easier to get now. So really wherever true. you are, stay, stay safe, stay healthy. I agree. Uh, let's talk about this course. Um, just yeah. introduce the course to us. <clears throat> yeah, so this is an online course. It's uh, kind of on demand, meaning you can get online, you can check out a whole bunch of video modules. It's about 13 hours of content total. So it goes deep into a lot of the topics that have been my love and passion my whole life. They're, they're uh, areas of, what can I call it? The, the modules, they touch on principles in the gospel. They touch on uh, wisdom principles from the world's traditions, but it's spoken, it's, it's voiced in a very LDS perspective intentionally. Because, you know, I, by nature, I think I like to really investigate the world's traditions and take them on their own terms. But then Faith Matters, Bill Turnbull, who's, you know, one of the co-founders, who's a lovely man, he said, what if you like really like made this for an LDS audience? He didn't say it, but like, what if you weren't so Buddhist and you like really you know, <laughs> went in this direction? Like, all right, I'll take that on. And so I, I started to put a, you know, a curriculum together. Like I'm a Sunday school teacher too. So like the way I would go to like plan a Sunday school class, I did that, but it's like a 13 hour Sunday school class. Love it. And I did it for a few months and then we recorded it and spent a few months editing. And so it's, it's all on demand. It's a, you know, an in-depth offering. And we uh, had Adam Miller on as well as a, um, a guest voice. So he's in a couple hours of the content and just, you know, Adam's a really Adam's great, deep, beautiful man. So that's, that's lovely content. But uh, yeah, I, I wanted to share the stuff that has really brought me to life spiritually in my life. And it's great to have it online because it's easy. It's accessible. We can reach more people. Cause like before I was just teaching workshops and retreats and I love working with 10 people at a time or a hundred people at a time. But the course lets us really just make it available in a new way. If, and just these are kind of basic questions. So if I, I'm thinking back to my academic experience, I took a stats course and my, <laughs> the goal of the end of the stats course is I know standard deviations yeah, and totally. um, some of those stats terms better. Um, yeah. Talk to our listeners about, you know, the goal of the course. Um, and I think you've kind of inferred this. So what will change in my life or what potentially can improve in my life or some of those things? Yeah, no, I really appreciate that question. Um, so a couple things come to mind. The one is that I created this course for people who are interested in more vibrancy, more creativity, uh, more aliveness in their spiritual lives, you know, because we all have, to me, being human is like a radical opportunity. 
right? And this is like right, I love, Richard just smiled at me in the most lovely way when I said that, but you didn't see it because it's a podcast. <laughs> but it, it's really radical to be a human being. And this is like right in line with our LDS faith and doctrine that to have a body and to learn line upon line, precept upon precept, we're in a school of divinity here. And human life to me, it should feel enlivening. And it should be like a radical enterprise every moment and every day of becoming someone new, you know? So like to me, like an end goal is like, I want people to feel more creative and free and alive uh, moving through this curriculum. And of course, as we feel more, you know, creative and alive, we bring our unique gifts to service in the community. To me, that's always the culminating gesture. If we're really changing, if our heart is really changed, we're showing up more powerfully in the unique kind of service that God has ordained for us, you know? Love that. So that, that's one thing that comes to mind. And the other, um, you know, I've been really influenced by the meditative traditions in my life. And um, early on, it was Buddhism. But then, like, you know, as I was getting more into my meditative practice, I just realized that there was this whole world of Christian contemplations. Like, since, since Jesus himself walked the earth, he and other followers, of disciples, have been going into a quiet place within themselves. They've been coming into stillness and developing a friendship and intimacy, even a union with God through that practice. So to me, a big part of this online course is, what is the contemplative life? Like, what does that look like to a Latter-day Saint? Because I believe that's an exciting question that we're just beginning to ask in our community. You know, the, the Catholics, they've had their meditative tradition for many centuries. They're an older church. But to me, I feel like the time is ripe, you know. As Latter-day Saints, we've been around the block. So what's our response to what does the uniquely Latter-day Saint contemplative life look like and feel like from the inside? So that's another question I kind of take on in the course. I love that. Talk about, is this for Latter-day Saints? Or is this broader than for Latter-day Saints? Yeah, totally. I mean, the curriculum, I wrote the curriculum, kind of designed it with humanity in mind. So anybody who's interested in uh, these kinds of practices and these kind of principles of wisdom and compassion, I mean, I draw from a lot of traditions within the course. I try to, you know, the truths that I'm aware of, I try to really gather them up and locate them in the course. It's in a Latter-day Saint voice. Right. So I think somebody who's LDS will um, maybe feel the most at home with it. But I hope anybody who's a lover of wisdom and uh, or lover of Christ or just a lover of their humanity and interested in like their higher capacities, I, I, I would say they could benefit from it. I hope they can. Talk about. I'm still in my, you're doing a great job. I'm just thinking of <laughs> sure. questions yeah, listeners totally. may be asking. Yeah, for sure. If I'm like, if you ever got letters from people that have completed the course, and you may have gotten those, I hope you have. We're starting to now, yeah. What, would, what do you kind of hope they would say in those letters? And what are they saying? Totally. That's, that's a cool question. Because um, this is a course that's going to help people. And everything you've said so far is sort of full of hope and light and positivity. And and it's just kind of part of who you are, Thomas, is this guy that just, just full of light. And, and it's, I think it's your understanding of our restored gospel and principles of meditation that you've brought from other parts of your life to just bring this into um, 
a wider group just to give them hope and better tools to just feel better mm. and do better and own their spirituality. And so talk about that a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's generous. I mean, I feel like in your good company, it's easy to be uh, hopeful and optimistic in my outlook. Um, so I'm riding on your waves a little bit. You're very too, good. Um, I mean, what do I hear back from people? What I hope to hear back? I think um, people might not say it exactly like this, but what I'm hearing back from the course is people are like, wow, like I'm big. There's a lot to me I didn't realize. And this is, this is getting back into the spirit of meditation, contemplation. Uh, in a Christian and an LDS context, when we go inward, I think we're all stunned at some point to find just how vast our life of soul and spirit is. We think about now in modern times, we think about the cosmos as being vast, like there's galaxy after galaxy, it's just endless creation. But I think we're less aware culturally of like how vast we are inwardly. And so when I get a kind of flavor of that, from an, you know, someone who's finished the course, they're just like, whoa, like, I'm really big and I'm really excited to discover more of me. That's what I hope for. That's, I mean, that just makes my whole life to hear that from other people, you know. Keep talking about that. That's cool. What, what are you interested in? What, what people are discovering about themselves. I like the word big. We wouldn't usually culturally yeah, get up in testimony <laughs> meeting and say, I have just learned I'm big. Yeah, totally. And, totally. but I love, I think heavenly, our heavenly parents would want us to feel that way about us because yeah. we're as their children Yeah. and that divine nature, they would want that totally. for us and, and our awakening to that to who we are. And I'm totally. thinking yes. you're helping connect people with that. So talk. The, yeah. The best I know how I'm, I'm trying, you know, we all do what we can, but I, I love what you said about our heavenly parents. To me, our heavenly parents are they're big, they're huge. They're, you know, we read about, you know, uh, God weeping for the pain of man, you know, like holding humanity and all the cosmos in his bosom. That's really big. Right. And so I, I, I feel that I, I also feel that our heavenly parents, would you know be well pleased to hear their children discovering like oh I'm big too, I'm not that big yet but I'm I'm getting bigger. That's that's and that's what I mean about like humanity is quite radical. It's like we're we're quite big. So so there's that and you know if I link that to the course, um, there are multiple modules. I think seven in total, and one of the modules is just like a whole I think an hour or two on like the heart. What is it like to awaken the heart? in a Christian, a contemplative context. And um, th this experience of being big, I think in a lot of ways we, that we access it through the doorway of the heart. Because in our minds, we have ideas about, well, I'm, I'm not big, I'm, I'm six feet tall, and I'm 175 pounds, and I, I have concepts of who I am in the mind, but then I enter into the heart, and I just rest in an open kind of presence, and I'm, I'm receptive to everything within me and around me. And all of a sudden, like those boundaries that I have in my mind, they, they start to fade a little bit. And I can feel in a direct way my bigness. It's not an idea in the heart that I'm big. It's this direct experience like, whoa, I feel my heart reaching out and touching and holding and embracing everything. That's big. It's really big. That's really cool. And I, I just feel like I've, I've been blessed. You know, I've had great teachers. Um, who've kind of modeled this bigness. And um, I'm, I'm 
I'm grateful for the opportunity with the new technology we have to just like try to pass it along. Just say, this is really good stuff. This is our birthright. We were meant to be big. Are there things culturally um, in our church or just our, that makes it harder for us to do the things you're trying to teach? Things culturally that have sort of, we've picked up that has muted our ability to do what you're in your course are trying to do? Probably. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, we could talk about um, uh, culture in the church. We could talk about like the culture of the, the country where we reside. I mean, there are, there are a lot of cultural influences that maybe militate against this slowing down and going deeply inward and like cultivating the life of the soul. But I would say just the pace of modern life is, you know, potentially something where we're moving so quickly, uh, we, we don't realize this inner vastness, these inner vistas and landscapes, because we're moving. They're flying by us so fast. We're, we're just trying to get somewhere else. We're trying to get to the next meeting. We're trying to get to the next whatever, shindig, party, job, what, you know, whatever we're on our way to. So, we're, yeah, like the rhythm of life, I think, is challenging. But if we were to state that in the opposite way, the rhythm of life nowadays is an invitation. It's like this, it's like this blaring signal. We all know we're stressed. We all know we're going too fast. What if we trained ourselves to be in remembrance every time we realize we're going fast? You know, like what, what we could look at as the problem, we could also look at as a generous reminder, like remember to slow down, remember to go inward. So, you know, I could riff on this all day, but yeah, just, you know, that's one of the challenges we work with on this path. I want to come back to that, but I, w- I want our listeners right now to know how they find this course. And we'll, we'll mention that again at sure. the end of the podcast. Sometimes I, f- I like to do it at the beginning of the podcast and at yeah. the end, but do it right now. Yeah. Hopefully uh, <laughs> this early in the conversation, people are just like, I got to see it. Where do I go? <laughs> so where do they <laughs> no, go, Thomas? Well, you can go to transformationsoffaith.org. It's got, so it's, you know, landing page. That's the name of the course, transformationsoffaith.org. Um, and you can read up on it. There's, you know, sample videos, uh, maybe a testimonial here and there. And I'll say a thing, you know, people might be wondering about like, what does a course like this cost? It's got a retail value. Like it cost us, it took a lot of resources to produce. So for people who can pay that price, we're, we're grateful because it supports two nonprofits, Faith Matters and Lower Lights. So that's wonderful. And for people who uh, can't afford it for whatever reason at this time, we also have options for them. So, you know, no one's turned away. Anybody can take the course. Do you want to talk about pricing at all or just go uh, to the, have, have people go to the website and sort of see the pricing? Sure, yeah. I mean, we priced it at $148 for the course. And that, you know, if people, some people can pay that easily and they're happy to. Other people, you know, we get emails from students and from people who are in between jobs. It's COVID, right? Right. Um, and they'll say like, hey, that's like, I really want to do this, but that's tough for me right now. And, you know, we say, great. Like, here's an option of like what you could pay. What would be comfortable, right? So that's also an option. The principle here is like, we want to offer high quality support, you know, to our communities. And we need support back. Sure, we do, but nobody who wants to take the course should be prevented from taking the course. That's it, right? Straight up. And share with our listeners again it's 13 modules, it's seven modules, it's seven modules, 13 hours. 13 hours, a lot. That's like 
Think how many movies that is. Think how and many is YouTube videos. Is it self-paced or do yeah. I take it at my pace or do I share with our listeners the, a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. The feedback we get from people, I mean, it's broken up. The 13 hours is broken up into 100 plus videos. I mean, they're like, I think the average video is probably five to 10 minutes. And the course also comes in a podcast form. So if you sign up for it, you have access to like all the videos and the transcripts and all that stuff. But you can also download a podcast, so it's just on your device. And what I'm hearing a lot from people is like, I just go on a walk and I listen to like one video that's seven minutes long. And I, you know, then I just digest for maybe the rest of the day or whatever. Cool. Maybe I'm hungry for more. So it's totally at your own pace. Just as an aside, introduce um, Faith Matters and Lower Lights to our listeners if they're not familiar with either of those organizations. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm adequate to um, uh, introduce Faith Matters to your audience. That's I'm, okay. Uh, you know, Faith Matters is a really cool organization that's interested in um, kind of, in a sense, curating content that represents the bigness of our faith. It's like we, you know, all of uh, the beauty in our faith tradition, as well as, uh, how would I say it? Uh, the potential, like things yet to be revealed and things that we'll all have a hand in revealing. Uh, so, you know, faith matters in a nutshell. They're taking like an, an expansive view of the restored gospel. So that's, that's what I'd say about them. And then Lower Lights, do you want me to say a word? Yeah, about? and you're the founder of Lower Lights. I founded Lower Lights a few years ago. And, it, you know, we've touched on it a little bit. Um, since I was a late teenager, I was 18 when I first like meditated sat down on the floor. I'd read a book. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit still and do nothing and not think about anything. What's that about? Some but, of us have never done that, Thomas. <laughs> but that's my point. I had never done it and no one had ever told me to do it. And when I did it, I felt like really restored. I felt really grounded. I felt really held. Like by, I, didn't, I didn't have words for it at the time, but I felt really comforted and held like the, the stillness. What a great word. You <laughs> use some incredible words. Oh, thank like you. Held. It, it, Everybody this, needs to feel that word in their life. Totally. Or I, that and, feeling. And I didn't know I would feel that because I didn't know anybody who meditated and no one told me like, oh, you should meditate. You'll feel held. <laughs> like I had no idea what I was walking into. But like once I had that experience, I realized, man, there are human beings from different cultures, different millennia who've been developing devotional practices that help us transform as human beings. So I got really curious about what I call transformative practice. Like what are all these practices that humans have been doing for millennia that help open our hearts, that help free up our bodies, that help us develop a deeper relationship and connection to the divine. And so like that, that was lower lights. You know, when I found it, it's like, I want to share these practices. I really want to practice with other people. So lower lights, it's a, it's a community of practice where our intention is to heal together and build together. And that's how we talk about it. Um, just one, thank you. One comment <laughs> on Faith Matters. It might be the podcast just before your podcast comes out, Thomas. Um, yesterday, we recorded a podcast with Fiona and Terrell Gibbons with their new book called All Things New. Rethinking Sin, Salvation, and Everything in Between. And we never really talked about the fact that it was published by Faith Matters. And I think it's the first book that Faith Matters is... To, yeah, to my knowledge. 
So anyway, yeah. that's a good thing, even though it's a podcast late, to let our listeners know if you've listened to that podcast, it's a little bit more about oh, yeah. faith matters and the work the Givens are doing that you're connected with, obviously, and, totally. and that book that I really am enjoying reading. Cool. Yeah. No, that we can plug the Givens and faith matters all day. That's a very appropriate use of our time. <laughs> I love that. I want to go back to some of these words you just used. Um, <clears throat> you've used this phrase, open hearts, a few times. Huh. Talk about the benefit. Why, why just talk about that and how that makes someone feel if they're able to do that. This, yeah, totally. That's really interesting. And, you know, I'm, as you say that, I'm almost thinking about like, maybe we could practice it together Good. too on this show. But if I were to talk about it, it's something like uh, when we engage in practices that help us grow as human beings, help us grow spiritually. One of the things that's common, to, if you, this, is, this is across cultures, it's not, just, um, uh, it's not just Christian culture. If you looked in the Buddhist tradition, if you looked in the Jewish tradition and so forth, uh, the Islamic tradition, uh, you, you see this theme of like, my experience, my lived experience moment to moment is that I feel like my center of gravity, my awareness is more in my heart than in my head and my thoughts. The head's still here. It's still like doing really important jobs. One teacher has described it as like, you know, your home is your heart, but you're still connected to Wi-Fi up in the office. And if you need important information, your brain's there and it's a great tool. But uh, as we learn to like really rest in the heart, uh, we feel a natural sense of connection with the divine, connection with our fellow man. Uh, the, this, the command, the two great commandments come to mind. If we rest in the heart, we have this experience of loving God with our whole being, with everything we are. And simultaneously, we realize like, oh, I actually can love my neighbor as my very own being because I feel in my heart that there's no distance between us. So when I talk about open-heartedness, it's like this journey. It's been said that the spiritual journey is just, it's like 12 inches long. It's from like, from the head, the cranium, down to the chest, down to the heart. And if wow. we can travel those 12 inches, wow. the whole cosmos is opened up to us. Wow. So that's quite a remarkable thing. <laughs> Keep talking about that. I went to, I got a story, and I, act, I, I mentioned this in the course, but I lived in China for years. And it was at a time in my life where I was in a lot of pain, and I needed healing, and I needed grace. I still do. But I really needed it at that time. And I, I knew I needed to be in China. But it was really difficult, like the food and the smells and the, everything was so foreign. I felt really alone and I felt really far from home. And, you know, physically, I was very far from home. And I had a chance to uh, do some teaching in China right before COVID broke out, actually. So like a year ago, and I was sitting with uh, another teacher and I was just talking to him about how you know, being in China is totally different this time around. I remember when I was younger, I just felt homesick and I was struggling. And I just said, China feels like home this time. And everywhere I go feels like home. And I just like feel so much love and happiness in my heart. And this, this was actually, he was actually a Tai Chi master. I didn't share that detail because it almost sounds cliche when I'm like, yeah, I was hanging out with the Tai Chi master in China, but it was. <laughs> and, um, and he responded, we were, we were speaking Chinese and he said, ah, ni de xin and, and that, it was just such a lovely, it sounds lovely, you know? And what he said is like, oh, your, your heart has come down. 
And what he meant, like the, in the Chinese way of thinking, your, your center of gravity is dropped from the head where you feel anxious and worried and can't stop planning and can't stop worrying about everything. It's, it's come down finally into your heart and you've come home. And once we've come home, everywhere is home. That's cool. Totally. That's yes, really there's a cool. moment, you know. I'm, I'm grateful for that path. Um, everybody has this capacity to come home and to live from home and to invite others home. Yeah, yeah I just want to sit with that for about 10 minutes. <laughs> Do, that's a Do I have to ask we, we, more questions? No, well, why, why don't we sit? Why don't we sit for a couple of minutes? All right. You know, because that you're, I'll let you take the lead. Yeah, I mean, let's just be here for a minute. And just notice what you're feeling. If I were to articulate what I'm feeling sitting here with Richard right now, I feel like I'm home. I feel like I'm with a friend just sitting at home and my heart feels soft. It feels open. It feels alive. So the invitation right now is to just make that 12-inch journey like from the head to the heart. Just intentionally let your focus and your energy and your awareness drop from the head right into the center of the chest, right into the heart. And just take a few breaths there. Not, you're not trying to make something happen. It's just like an experiment. And just notice what you know in your heart that you can't know in your mind. It's one thing to know something in our mind, and it's important to know, thing in our, know things in our mind. But just for a moment, drop down into your heart and just appreciate everything you know in your heart. Beyond words. the direct knowing. Yeah. And we'll just come back into the flow of conversation here, but that's something you can do. You do that a few times a day for a few weeks and you'll you'll be a different person. You'll see the world you'll see the world differently. The world will see you differently. I, there's a couple things you said there. I've never put knowledge in my heart, Thomas. Mm. I've put knowledge in my brain. Right. But you said what you know in your heart. Yeah. And that's what I thought about. And that's what I'll be thinking on my morning walk. Yeah. I, I do know things in my heart. I know a lot of, I know our heavenly parents love me. That's in my heart somehow. It's not really in my brain. Yes. I have things in my brain that are sort of factual, like the number right. of COVID deaths in the United <clears throat> States is actually a fact in my brain right now because yeah. I've been tracking that terrible number. Oh, me too. But that's different than what you just said. Mm -hmm. And it feels like I can bring more peace in my life through the things in my heart and bless more people through my heart. As I'm just, those are some of the impressions that are coming to my mind. Yeah, I love it. And I, you know, I feel a real heart resonance with you. And I, I, feel, I feel our hearts speaking to one another. And 
that's an amazing capacity of the heart that I talk about in the course as well, that our capacity to be attuned to other people, to commune deeply with other human beings and all of life. It, it increases exponentially as we learn to just be at home in the heart. And I would say about knowing, uh, it's all, you know, we can language things in a lot of different ways, but to me as a Latter-day Saint, the heart, we could say, is like the primary seat of intelligence in the human being. I, I love the word intelligence, and I love the way we use it in our tradition, and I love experiencing my radical intelligence just as a divine being of heavenly parents through my heart. You know? So we know things in the heart, but, and we could also say the heart is this concentrated uh, center of intelligence that, that we can live in and we can live from. And it's, man, it's, it's, it's a good life when we do this. Well, that brought tears to my eyes for some reason. I've always thought as intelligence being this thing in my brain that's tested. Yeah. I'm the proud owner of an 18 ACT score, <laughs> um, which for our listeners isn't anything to... But I've always been kind of aware that that's, from an academic standpoint, I have some real strengths intellectually and some real weaknesses, and it comes out in standardized tests. <laughs> but I've never thought as my heart as intelligent. Um, I've never thought about spiritual gifts. I guess I thought about spiritual gifts, but I've never quite put them like you put them. Yeah. And I love, I, we probably bless each other and help each other and bear more in comfort from our hearts. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily, and that's probably where most of that comes from. Yeah, I, totally. Yes to all of that. I think if we were to talk about how the mind, the thinking mind works, in unison and collaboration with the heart, the mind can make empowering distinctions and set up proper views of the world that allows the heart to really open up and hold it more deeply in compassion. That sounds like what I just said was a lot, but let me give a practical example. Um, let's talk about the LGBT community. And if I have like an intellectual understanding of the suffering there, and there are a lot, you're an expert here. I would yield to you. But if, if I have a basic notion of like the history of the LGBT, LGBT community in our church, if I have a notion of like their risk for self-harm or homelessness and so forth, that idea will actually prime my heart to attune and say like, whoa, go slow here. Like it's really important that you give your full presence and attunement to this being here. And, and the mind can actually sharpen our heart's capacity to bear another's burden with, with more precision, with more appropriateness. So we're not talking about like, get out of your head, get into your feelings. It's, you're right. It's, it's, it's how do connected. we integrate our whole being and like uh, fashion it into an instrument of service? To me, that's the fascinating journey, you know, in spirituality. I, I love that example. Because I do recognize where facts um, sort of open my, we've got a daughter to a way to make a difference for good. Yeah, you got, totally. You said it better than me the second time, but that's, you know, that's part of the practice. So I, I love this. This is a universal principle here that we don't have to leave any good part of ourselves behind. 
any goodness that we are, any goodness that we love, we get to integrate that into the wholeness of who we are and bring it to Zion. You know? Talk about a soft heart. You've used that a few times. Do you want to go any further into that? Um, I don't know if, I don't know if we need to, um, you know, it's in a sense, it's quite literal. It's like, we, we know the feeling of being really constricted in the chest. Sometimes I'll say this about it. Um, you know, I realized I just said I wasn't going to talk about it. Then an idea came to me. Um, sometimes what I find what's challenging about working with the heart, like opening it up, awakening it so that it can do all this great stuff. Um, the heart is so sensitive. If we're honest with ourselves, if we spend time in our heart, I believe we'll discover sooner or later, we'll realize how much more sensitive and intelligent it is than we had thought. It's like, whoa, like it's so sensitive and intelligent. Uh, I'm feeling pain in myself and in the world, but I don't even know if I can bear it it's so much. So we naturally defend against all of that information like flowing through us and will kind of constrict so part of a soft heart it's a willingness to be present in the world it's a willingness to feel absolute joy it's a willingness to descend into transcendent sorrow you know depending on what's appropriate so you know you could say a lot about it talk about this feeling of um, and this may have come from the Givens and other people I've talked to, this, this feeling that I, resonates with me, we're all a little wounded. We're born wounded. Yeah. I'm wounded at 59. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm more honest with just my own mortal journey, it's wounding. You know, there's the wounding that comes from sin, and I sort of get how to overcome that. Right. Um, but then there's this woundedness of just mortality. Totally. Um, and I recognize on some level the atonement of Jesus Christ and heal me from that. Mm-hmm. But when I was a YSA bishop, it was really hard to sort of give the YSAs and even myself a formula yeah. like I could for repentance. Like we could kind of, we knew kind of the formula and how to get to the finish line. But this overcoming woundedness and being healed from just mortality yeah. is complex and needed. And yeah. as you're talking, I'm thinking this feels to me like a practical way to do that. Yes. Um, and just better tools, because I just think saying to people, turn to the atonement to heal from all your woundedness is, is true, but I've always lacked the tools to do that in my own life and to help others do that. Totally. I love how you said that. And this is a big topic in the course. Um, wounding is a big topic in the course. Um, our sense of alienation and estrangement and homesickness as human beings separated from our divine parents. That's all so real in the human experience. So practically, I mean, we have quite detailed um, scriptural accounts and theological accounts of what is sin, what is, what is the fall all about, what about redemption and atonement? We have detailed accounts of that. But I love what you said, like, what about the practical like, um, field guide? to like how we heal and how we atone. And let me, let me pick that up. We tend to talk about the atonement as the atonement. It's like, it's a thing that happened at a certain point in the past. And so it feels separate from us. Um, if we change the language a little bit and talk about how do we practice atoning moment to moment? How do we practice becoming one with the circumstances of our lives? both 
like pain and pleasure, joy and sorrow. Then that it's like, oh, the atonement's not way back in the past now. There's this opportunity to atone right now. So if we treat it that way, and I believe this is a very uh, helpful way to understand the practice of atoning, just right now, right now, you know, you and me right here, how do we do that? Well, it's not unrelated to the heart practice. It's recognizing like, I have pain in my heart. That's true. I feel wounded. That's true. I feel separate from God. Not all the time, maybe all the time for some but a lot of the time. What do I do practically about that? If I can learn to be totally present with that pain, because normally it's, it's so deep in our humanity, like we feel pain and I say, how can I make that stop? If I learn to be even more present to pain, it's counter instinctual, but if I learn how to go like right to the heart of the pain, I'm, I'm doing at least two things. Um, I'm, I'm exercising faith because I'm, I'm saying, I have faith that this pain won't destroy me. I have faith that I can just be here right at the heart of pain, my own pain, others' pain, and that like something will redeem it somehow. Like it's going to be okay. The second thing we might be doing is we're actually joining with the activity of the spirit. We're, we're becoming the healing balm just by being present in pain. We're, we're saying like, no, this pain won't destroy me. In fact, my willingness to be present is the activity of the spirit healing me and healing humanity. It feels really good. You know, when we realize that we have the spiritual and creative power to become like the, like the serving hands of the spirit itself and to like actually touch a wound and to heal it. It's a powerful thing. I love that, Thomas. That just speaks to my soul. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm thinking of our heavenly parents right now, wanting us to learn how to heal each other. When you talk, I thought of our heavenly parents saying, this is what I want my children to learn how to do. Yeah. I don't want to, I want them to learn how to heal each other. They have the tools to do this in mortality. Yeah. Yeah, I want them to pray. Help me if I misspeak here. Yes, I want them to pray to me. And yes, I want this personal relationship with them. But mm-hmm. perhaps I get the most joy when they learn how to heal each other and learn how to heal themselves yeah. through the atonement and through the tools we've given them in mortality. Yeah. Are you okay with that? Way beyond okay. Totally. I mean, it just speaks right to my soul now, you know. And it's, your, what, it's your unique expression of it, right? This is what's so beautiful about, like, you know, what I call a community of practice. Like I have my own experience with it and I have my own like um, words with their limitations. But then like when the practice moves through you and your heart and your mind and your insights, you say it in a way that I couldn't have said it and I feel it in a new way. So we, we practice together and we, we help each other deepen our, our practice together. I'd feel that with you right now. Same. Yeah. I- I've sort of tried to own my woundedness for the first time in the last five years. Um, I think, I don't know where I picked it up to be, uh, you know, what I was supposed to be as an LDS father um, and an LDS local leader and a business owner. I think I imagined something, this perfected 
being nearly that was never wounded or never had pain or never yeah. acknowledged emotion or never was vulnerable. And I've learned that that's, that helps heal me and helps heal others when I'm just more vulnerable in the language or more honest about my own woundedness. And, and don't look at that as sin or as weakness, but just part of the mortal experience. Yes. And that has been fascinating for me. Yeah. You know, to me, um, I'm thinking of the words of the Canadian poet songwriter Leonard Cohen right now. I, I can't remember the exact verse, but he says something to the effect of everything has a crack in it. That's how the light enters in. Wow. There's that, that quality to it. And so what I would say in the context of her conversation is it, it's a radical move and it's a radical realization to like really own our wounding, like you said, and then to realize like I'm not supposed to not be wounded. It, I'm not wounded because I did something wrong or the plan didn't work out. I'm wounded because like, this is the plan. The plan is to like atone with our wounds, to really come into healing presence with them and let them, let them transform us. Like you said, you know, you've probably heard this quote, but I read it sometimes. Um, the wounded healer from Henry Norwin a minister's service will not be perceived as authentic unless it comes from a heart wounded about by the suffering about which he speaks. Mm -hmm. The great illusion of leadership is to think others can be led to the desert by someone who's never been there. Awesome. And I, I just, yeah. you know, it resonates totally. with me is what you're saying. And I've learned to sort of reckon, that's why I love Elder Holland's Broken Vessel talk where he talked about his own woundedness. And Nephi did that. And my love of those you know, prophet heroes only increased as they were vulnerable and honest. Yeah. And they healed me in those moments. I'm totally. healed in the Psalm of Nephi somehow. And I, and so I, I like just being more honest with how we're really doing at times yeah. in appropriate ways. Absolutely. I love how you said that. Talk about, you know, the second section of this podcast, and we're kind of three quarters into it, maybe <laughs> we've talked about is what is the content like? Do you feel like just share more there if you'd like to. Yeah, I mean, the content's a lot like our conversation has been. It's, it's you know, like we're, we've touched on a lot of um, the, the themes that I go deep into in the course. Um, but I, you know, I explore embodiment in the course. That, so if I talk about, you know, just a few of the highlights from the modules, embodiment, like we have a physical body. And what's it like to just like, be at home in the physical body and to take care of it and to, you know, exercise it and feed it good food. I don't get into exercise and nutrition in the course, but it's like, there's a physical reality that we are and we have the privilege to be. And when I'm really present in my body sitting across from a friend, I can feel the intelligence of our bodies resonating with one another. And they're having a conversation that is different than the kind of conversation our hearts have, different than the kind of conversations our minds would have. So I, I explore, like, how do we be embodied in the fullness of our joy and the fullness of our being in the course? That's, that's a big piece. And then there's meditation contemplation, which we talked about earlier. Like, what is it like this inner vast world of stillness and peace and profundity? Like, how do we get to know that? And how, would we, how do we navigate it as Latter-day Saints? That, that's another piece. I, I talk about wounding extensively in the course and sin. And, but in a and maybe a new way than we're used to talking about it. And we touched on how do we just be really present with our wounding and others wounding and help 
invite this process of atoning and healing in a way that maybe we're not as open to as we could be. And then I talk about the stages of development because I love them. I talk about how our view of faith changes through this, you know, vast spectrum of development, human development. That's, that's a part of the course. And, um, you know, the capstone on it is Zion. Like, how do we build this together? We can practice alone. And I think, you know, someone who spends a little more time in their heart for five minutes a day, they're going to be better off for it. But not only are they going to be better off for it, they're going to be a better friend. They're going to be a better spouse. They're going to be a better uh, bishop or uh, Relief Society president or whatever our calling or not calling. <laughs> like any work we do redounds to the whole of Zion and becomes a gift. Everything we do to open ourselves up to greater light, we spontaneously offer that light into a Zion community. So the capstone on the course is like, how do we do this together? Talk more about the word Zion, what it means to you and what your vision yeah. of Zion is. Zion means a lot of things to me. There are many people who have said much wiser things about Zion than I can. Whenever the word comes up, I get really intimidated. Like, I don't know what Zion is. Let me see what Bruce R. McConkie said about <laughs> Zion. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, uh, or Hugh Nibley. <laughs> But uh, I mean, to me, among other things, Zion is, it's, it is a community of one heart and one mind where there are no poor among us. And one way we can become one heart and one mind is to first become really present to ourselves, like really inhabit ourselves, our woundedness, our joy, our talents, inhabit all of us, the parts we love and the parts we struggle with. And if I can inhabit all of myself, people around me are going to get this vibe like, hey, this guy, he's like pretty messy. He's like a messy human being, but he's also seems happy too. So I, I'm going to be messy with that guy. And pretty soon, like we get a pickup game going. We're like, we're all messy and we're all broken and wounded, but we're also like all divine and we're all incredibly talented. And as we like have the courage to just be honest and let it all hang out together, we realize like, okay, we need to heal together. We need each other to heal truly. And as we heal together, we're also just offering our gifts to each other. And those gifts accumulate in this community and we can call it Zion. And it's this community where giving and receiving is the same thing. I feel so much joy giving from my heart to these people that I love and serving them. It's like they're giving it back to me instantaneously. And so it's just this eternity of giving and receiving deep resonance in the spirit is it's like one and the same gesture. I love your word messy there, Thomas. <laughs> you can relax. Your body relaxes. When I say messy, people are like, oh, I can be messy here. Oh, I love this kind of place. <laughs> but you made that word a positive word. Yes. And I love that because <laughs> cool. there's messy parts about me and my life. And I think the more I appropriately share those with people, the, you've pivoted pretty quickly in saying then people also are messy and then they can connect with each other because they messy. It just breeds vulnerability, breeds connection and more vulnerability and yeah. we heal each other. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If we're not pretending like we're not messy, we can waste less energy pretending like we're not messy. And we all have an agreement like, yeah, we're super messy. And then that energy can free up to do the things we love to do. You know, <laughs> I really like that. Um, 
a question came to my mind a couple times. Talk about your feelings about the future of just the world and our and our faith and our communities. It's a there's a lot of anxiety right oh. now about the future and right. the last days and <clears throat> there's some narratives that are pretty, you know, create a lot of fear and talk just about your feelings about the future. And you've just got a little boy, six month old that you've just brought in this world. And yeah, how do you feel about his future? Just talk to our listeners about the future. Um, well, let me rest in my heart for a moment and see what information is there about what the future is. There's a lot here. There's a lot in my heart when I, I check in with it. Part of our future. Uh, and this is, this is why I'm just a Jesus lover through and through and always have been and always will be. I feel like Christ, when he walked the earth, just, among other things, brought this radical message. Like, you need to learn to love everybody as your very own being. And you need to learn how to forgive everybody, no matter what. Some people disagree with this, but I think we're a little better at it now than we were 2000 years ago. I think as a whole, I get it's complicated. Your minds might start racing with counterfacts and those are legitimate, but I think we're learning as a collective. We're learning as a Zion community. Like I can do that a little bit better. I can, I can just feel it in my heart a little bit more. So the more we realize that in ourselves, the more we build it right here. I mean, I, I love this in our tradition. We are building heaven right here on earth, right? So that feels like our future if we would claim it. It's, it's not a given. It's not just going to happen on a certain calendar date and we got to kind of like hold out and wait around. Like it's in the potential of our shared humanity. But when I sit with you and I feel like our bodies and our hearts and our minds are in resonance in the spirit, it's like, yeah, I believe heaven is like this, but even bigger and even more. <laughs> so that's there. That's, that's there for me. And I wonder, like, since we're in community here and dialogue, what, what is in your heart about the future? Just a lot of hope. I think of your boy. And I just think, what a great time to be born. I just can't think of a better time to be six months old. And just, I, and the opportunities that are, and these are talking to my grandkids. My grandkids are kind of that age. And what a, just a great time to be alive. And I look at, there's some things that are tough about society, but I look at so many things that I'm, that give me hope. And one of the things that gives me hope is younger Latter-day Saints and younger people in general yeah. and their worldview and their desire to reach out to the most difficult social issues and want to solve them. Yeah. And I see that in Gen Z that we criticize sometimes and millennials <laughs> and the other on their phones too much. <laughs> um, but I just have a lot of hope for my, I mean, your son and my grandkids are kind of the same age. And so I, I, and I've, this scripture that I've, I love, you know, perfect love casteth out fear. 
And I don't have perfect love, but I'm working on that. But I've learned as I'm growing my heart and my heart's getting softer <laughs> and I'm sitting with my heart, um, my fear of other people and my fear is significantly decreasing. And I just feel like sometimes when I open my heart, I get out of the 1,000 foot level of our my worldview and I get up to the 40,000 foot level that maybe is still way below heavenly parents, but I just see a little bigger picture. And the further I can go up, the less fear I have, because I see sort of the big picture and that they know the beginning from the end. And if I really own my doctrine, um, then it creates less fear and more hope. And I, you know, I'm living through the biggest um, medical accomplishment, I think, of my lifetime with this vaccine. and. You know, that can be kind of controversial, but I just look at one of the success stories of COVID is um, countries working with other countries and all the different entities that have expertise to bring vaccines together. And it seems like there's this great desire for everybody that's working on a vaccine to be successful, multiple companies to be successful, to solve this problem for all of humanity. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's one of the great miracles of my lifetime, Thomas, to yeah. witness that firsthand. And it's not quite here yet, Yeah, yeah. but it's an incredible accomplishment. And, yeah. and in the pandemic of 2019 or 1919, that obviously didn't exist. So it just it makes me have hope for your son and my grandkids. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm brought to tears by what you share. And uh, that's a future I can get behind and give everything I have to bring it about. Talk about, um, this is another question. We kind of bounced around. So maybe you've, what's your personal relationship with this? Yeah, with the whole, yeah. all of it. Well, I, you know, I mentioned it earlier. Um, I, you know, I had this idea, like I'm full of anxiety and I'm depressed and I'm confused and I'm lost in life. And, oh, maybe I heard that, like, there's a thing called meditation. I'll just sit still and do nothing. <laughs> you know, I tried it on when I was, younger and I, I mentioned earlier like I couldn't believe how held I felt and I, I kept doing it I kept coming back to that altar of devotion every day since then really because I was so struck it, it it showed me like the future of what I could be in that moment I could see the future for a moment of what I could become if I were if I owned my doctrine those are the words you use I loved it um so to me like the this curriculum, this experience, it's a devotional act and an offering for me. It's like just me doing what I really love, really love, and grateful to other people who are interested in this path. And uh, my hope is that it will support us in you know, coming together as a community to realize this future and potential. Other things you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, just that. I highly recommend sitting down with Richard for a chat or a meal because uh, I just feel your heart so much. And yeah, I, I'm just grateful for the humanity here that we're sharing and the intelligence and what I just feel moving through all of us, you know, those present and those not present. But um, yeah, it's just been a really beautiful conversation with you, Richard. You're very kind. Likewise. Go back to medication, meditation just a little bit. Do you, do you do that a certain time every day? Do you do it 
as part of exercise? Do you separate it from exercise? Is it very personal to you and everybody yeah. might have a different way to do that? Yes. Is it part of prayer? Is it separate from prayer? All That's of like the, eight questions. It's eight questions, <laughs> but that, it's easy because it's all the same answer. Like it's yes, all of that. There were times, especially when I started, I had to be like more disciplined about it because it takes what, 20 something days to form a habit. And then, you know, over time, I realized like, oh, I could do it at different times of day. And like, oh, then I noticed that, you know, when I'm sitting under a tree, like the tree kind of blows me into I'm a little more grounded. I'm a little more present. And well, now the tree is meditating me. And, you know, I, like more and more as I've gotten into the practice, I just, you know, experience life as, you know, the, the only meditation there is. And it's beautiful if I show up for it, if I'm really present and committed to this right now. It's a beautiful meditation. And when I pray, sometimes I use words. And when I pray, sometimes I just run out of words and it's just it's kind of deep attunement. I run out of words. Yeah. I think <laughs> I think our I love that. <laughs> it's actually relieving to run out of words. <laughs> you don't have to manage so much. I'm thinking of <laughs> heavenly parents right now. Yeah. I that's cool. I still think they know it's in your heart, even yeah. if you don't have words right then. I believe in this school of divinity that one of the one of the important lessons is to learn how to run out of words. I, I don't believe our heavenly parents would be who they are had they not learned to run out of words a really long time ago. Words at a certain point will hold us back if we hold on to them. <laughs> um, this has just been a great podcast, Thomas, on behalf of all of our listeners. I my stats sort of say about ten to 15,000 people listen to every episode, and this will be um, an episode that has a lot of listens because of you and your work and your ability to bring healing and hope and, and practical skills to make that active in people's lives. So I encourage all of our listeners to um, take Thomas's course. I, I just think it'll help you. I hope to take it. Will you let our listeners know one more time where to go? Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Richard. It's transformationsoffaith.org. So that's the name of the course. And we can put that in the show notes. We will. Well, that was very presumptuous. I'm we will. We, who am I? We, I don't, we put, put I don't do the show notes. In show notes. Transformationsoffaith.org. And, uh, you know, for those who uh, can afford the price of the course, we're offering uh, a significant discount during the holidays. Uh, just to make it that much easier to jump on. And, you know, we appreciate your donations. And like I said, if times are tight, jump on anyway and, you know, do the course for whatever you can afford. But the holiday code is holidays, as in happy holidays. And hopefully that'll be in the show notes Love. as well. We'll put the we'll, <laughs> listeners, we'll put the holiday, we'll put the code in there and the link to get to this course. Yeah, Thomas, thank you for your, like, it's, it's a big support to us. Like when any, you know, any money, any donations flow into our nonprofits, Faith Matters and Lower Lights. It's, it's a big help because it lets us keep gathering community and doing what we do. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, on behalf of all our listeners, Thomas, uh, many people have told me how much your work means to them. And um, we just appreciate what you're doing and taking the time to be on this podcast and keep being you and keep doing what you're doing. Um, it's helping build Zion. And this is Richard Osler, your host, signing off with Thomas McConkie, my friend, on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. Mm -hmm.